Think you got what it takes to run a digital agency? Well, these guys do. Get everything you need to know about growing and scaling your business. Tips, advice, stories, and all the good stuff in between. New and exciting. Welcome to the Agency Empires Podcast, hosted by Pat Murphy and Brian Murphy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Agency Empires episode number one, where we teach you how to run and scale your agency business. We have my partner and brother, Brian, with us uh, for our very first episode. Hey, guys. How you doing? Brian Murphy here. And uh, so happy to be here. We're going to be giving you guys a lot of information as far as how to grow and scale your agency business. And uh, super excited about Agency Empires podcast. It's a community that we're growing. Uh, We have a Facebook group. And really the plan down the line is just to give you guys as much valuable content as possible so that you can empower yourselves and grow your digital agency. Yeah, 100%, 100%. A lot of people here uh, might have already spoken to us over the phone that are listening to this podcast. And if you haven't, you'll get to know a little bit about who we are because today we're going to talk about how do we get here. Um, It's, of course, not all about us, but it's important for you guys to know as well what we've been through, um, our kind of our story, our backstory, our journey so far uh, in the agency business. And um, maybe it will help you fast track your success a little bit as well. So, uh, Brian, you want to get started and kind of let everybody know uh, a little bit about us? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Pat and I, we come from humble beginnings and uh, we have roots, uh, you know, in the U.S. And, and in the Philippines as well. And what's interesting is, you know, we've lived in the U.S., we've lived in Costa Rica and now in the Philippines. So we were always very multicultural, you know, well-educated and lived in different countries. Um, you know, we grew up together. I know, Pat, all my life, we actually have uh two other brothers and a sister so quite a large family uh big family long story short is you know when we got to the teenage years pat i remember when you were like 16 years old and you know you took your first job i think it was like what were you doing are you selling viagra or was it the sales sports book my first job okay so my my first job i was a i was a bookie okay this is in costa rica obviously you can't do this stuff in the states but uh in costa rica everything kind of works out and of course i'm i'm a u.s citizen half filipino half american i was not a costa rican citizen so it was very hard to get like a part-time job i was studying uh so i found an ad in the newspaper that said hey we're looking for somebody to do telemarketing and i saw the ad and i said hey man why not? Why not? Right. I've always uh, our father's always uh, been a salesman, his own businesses throughout his whole life. And I said, you know what, let me just give this a shot. Um, and I did. And I went into this office uh, in downtown San Jose. I really did not know what to even expect. Um, so I, I basically went up this small this flight of stairs and the the hall. It was you know, going up, obviously, in the hallway was I remember it was like, not even three feet wide, right. So 
you're going up one of these buildings and I get to the second floor of this office and there was this old American guy sitting down in his office. He must have been about 70 years old, maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knocked on the door and I said, hello, uh, is this, did you have an ad in the paper? I'm Pat Murphy and I was told to come to this address. And he looks at me and he says, yeah, why don't you have a seat that you, you got the right place? And I said, okay. And he quickly explained what they were doing. And it was a pharmacy. Uh, it's called, it was called Panafarm. And they were selling adult <laughs> male enhancement pills uh, online, over, not even online, over the phone. Um, back then, I mean, it was, it was like what 19, was this it? would have been this would have been early 2000s. It had to be with this. This would have been maybe 2000, 2001. Mm -hmm. um, around that time, 2000, 2001, probably. And back then, I mean, uh, there were websites, obviously not very good ones. And, you know, selling online wasn't really huge back then for like the normal person, right? So, uh, yeah, so we sat, so he had a room full of callers. He had seven, a floor of callers. He told me, man, there's a lot of money to be made here. Uh, and I will give you a choice. He said, I will give you a choice. He says, you can either work for me and I'll pay you a hundred bucks a week. And okay, this is Costa Rica guys, right? Third world country, hundred bucks a week, part-time, four hours a day student. I'm like, oh, all right, that sounds pretty good. Or I will pay you no money, no salary, and I'll give you a 25% commission on anything you sell. And here's a list of the products we sell and here are the prices. And they were like, you know, four or $500 worth of pills at a time because we were selling like they had, a, they had like a 30 pack, 60 pack and 90 pack. So there goes the packaging and packaging. So important in marketing, right? Being able to package your products. And they had a, they had a package. They had a 30 pack, a 60 pack, a 90 day pack. Viagra and Cialis. <laughs> so, and everybody in the call center there, I got to meet the guys working. It was a little boiler room um, situation, a tiny room, uh, seven guys in the room. Well, I was the seventh, six guys in the room. And they were all older men. They were in their 60s, uh, all uh, all American. I think there was one Cuban guy and they were on the phones and they were rocking the phones. They were hitting the phones hard and they were calling off of paper lists. So they, they had back then they had paper lead lists and all the leads were in a stack and they were printed. And he said, and Tom and the gentleman, the owner was named is Tom. And I became really good friends with Tom after a few weeks. Uh, but he's like, this is the list. This is how we call. This is how we earn money. And he brings out this lead list. And there was, it, it must've been a stack. It was a stack of papers, man. It was like <laughs> half a stack of like when you buy a stack of papers from the store, like Ace Hardware or whatever, wherever, yeah. half, grab half of that. I think it comes with 500 sheets. So there's like probably 250 sheets worth of leads. And he says, okay, when you come in tomorrow, this is your list. I'm putting your name on this list. This is how you call. You're going to call down this list. Anybody that says basically to fuck off, you're going to cross them out. <laughs> and everybody that says that asks questions, you're going to basically answer those questions and get these pills sold. You're going to freaking sell these pills. Okay. And I'm going to pay you 25% commission on anything you sell. And, you know, obviously at first I was skeptical, but I went back the next day and 
I was killing it. I was rocking the phones, man, hitting it hard. And uh, it made a lot of money. Um, for me back then, that was a lot of money, which was about $2,000 a month um, on a four hour job in Costa Rica um, as a, you know, an 18 year old kid. So for me, that was pretty decent and it wasn't a lot of work and I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of good people and that was my, um, my first real job inside of sales was really a boiler room. And I learned mm. tremendous, tremendous things in that boiler room. I mean, I learned that without sales, you don't have a business. And, um, we, I learned how to close hard. The, I mean, we we're selling, <laughs> we we're selling male enhancement pills what, for what, God's sake. What so, your, yeah. What was your opener? Were you calling people and saying, "Hey, it's your neighbor, uh, friendly neighborhood Viagra salesman"? Yeah, yeah, that was exactly it. I was, I was calling people up. Steve, I remember this guy. His name was Steve. He looked like Crocodile Dundee. Literally, he had uh, only that he had a long mustache. It's like it. He looked like Crocodile Dundee. And like a mad professor, like these mauled, mad bald professors in like these video games, like a mix between those two. He carried around a knife, a long, it looked like a machete. It wasn't as long as a machete, but like, I mean, it was a good foot long. And it was, and he had a crocodile skin like cover that, that he'd put, you know, he'd put his knife in and he'd, he had this, put it around this his is belt. the client or this is your, your no this no this is my coworker this oh, was steve okay. this was the coworker and he had crocodile boots and he was like you know it was that type of guy and he had a lot you know really nice guy though but his the guy that said hey pat i came in the work the next day he's like hey pat listen to me you know you're going to if you listen to me you're going to make money if you don't listen to me uh, then you're going to find it very hard to make money. And I'm like, okay, I'm listening, right? Obviously, this year's this guy is in his 60s. I'm an 18-year-old kid. And he goes through and he starts dialing and he shows me how to dial, like, right? Everybody knows how to dial. He's like, oh, I don't need any help how to dial, but it really helps in sales for the first time. I mean, you're, I'm sitting there right in front of him and he is dialing. And it Tom didn't say anything. I mean, he, I, he came in, expected me to produce right away. Nobody really gave any training. He was just like, mm -hmm. swim or die. Like, it's up to you. And Steve, he just went out of his way. He's like, the first thing was like, hey, hey, new timer, come over here, sit down. This is how you do your job. Listen. And he got on the phone and he calls up 10 people. And out of those 10 calls, he had three or four of those calls were long calls, right? And he just was a, uh, the type of person that will establish rapport with you on the phone right away. Mm -hmm. And I was like amazed. I remember being amazed like this guy on the phone and, and out of the 10 calls that he, that he had, right. Uh, two, he had like two or three closes and I was like, geez, wow, this is crazy. And he's like, well, he says, it doesn't happen like that all the time. He says, like people I'm calling right now are people on my resellers list. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, well, these are the guys that have bought from me before. Um, these are the people. And, and this is the great part about the pill business. People need refills, Pat. So you see this list and he points over to his desk and there was a list of maybe, I don't know, a, a hundred pages stacked up. And he said, every single one of those people have bought from me. Every single one of those people have bought from me. This is, a, this is the list, man. This list is money. Okay. And what he did next freaking was surprising as hell. This is my first day of work. 
he say he takes 10 sheets out of his list that he had and he said these 10 sheets there's probably 100 numbers on here 100 customers these are yours these are i'm going to give you current customers that's guaranteed money and he said don't fucking waste it mm. and i was so grateful this is the first day of work and i'm like geez i'm nervous i i, I don't know how to sell first time doing it i i had the drive because i showed up the next day right i'm like oh at least i did that and here's this guy giving me basically you know free money right a golden list and i took those lists and i didn't call them. i didn't want to waste them so what i did is i took tom's list that he that he that he set on my desk for the next day which was the stack of 250 pages worth of sheets and I started calling those and I had a lot of people say, fuck you right away. They were like, <laughs> like, what the hell? I mean, I was 18 years old, guys. I mean, if you, an 18 year old guy called you to sell you, you know, basically dick pills, what would you do? So that's what happened. And it was hard, but I called and I called and I called. And I remember the first day of work, everybody left around five o'clock. Tom left and he says, Pat. You leave when you want to leave. I'm going to let you know where the key is to the office. I leave it here. And you close the door when you want to close the door. And that's how we operate. Again, this is a small six-person boiler room. And is like, I trust you, but if you fuck me over, you're done. <laughs> you know, type of thing. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I stayed in the office and I dialed my heart out for another hour. And I left an hour later. It was get, It was already dark out. So I had to get going, but it was, I just wanted it. I wanted it and I wanted it. And, and it took me a good two weeks, two weeks before I nailed uh, my first close from the cold leads. And it was only until I nailed my, my fifth close that I went back to Steve's list and I started calling his customers. I didn't want to waste them. Um, but it was, it, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. It was a great experience. I did that for two whole years. And um, then I stopped. And then I and then I worked at a sport book after that. And uh, I was taking sport bets over the phone. So that's my story. And that's uh, that's a whole nother story. I can be here for another 15 minutes talking about my whole sport it, bet. It's so amazing. Background, that, but yeah, that, you know, because I never knew about Steve and I never knew the story in detail. But isn't that amazing that these people are like a dying breed? Um, oh, yeah. You know, of people you just don't get, you know, salesmen or, or business owners that are, you know, they got that rough skin. And, you know, Think about it. You know, if Steve wouldn't have helped you and maybe you would have burnt out, you know, a couple of days later, where would you be? Right. So, um, you know, I recognize the importance of having mentors and people you can learn from. And I think that's really the most valuable thing. And it's really lacking because every day, you know, I'm on my Facebook and I'm, you know, in all these different groups and it's like people want to help you. But yeah, buy my course first. Right. And you get a lot of that. So, you know, I think it, it, it's great that yeah. we're, we're coming full circle now and, you know, we're going to be helping other people in the same way, kind of like Steve helped you. But it's just right, so yeah. funny, man. That's like a that's like a scene out of the boiler room where he comes out with those, you know, it's like a 1980s. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Is that what it is? Glenn Gary. 
Well, I forget the name of the movie. Glenn Gary, Shoot. Glenn Ross. Yeah. And he comes out mm-hmm. and he says, here are the <laughs> boys. Here are it, the it, dude, it, it really looked like that. It re- it was really like that. They had the leads printed out. It wasn't, they weren't, they didn't have computers. I mean, they had computers back then, but he didn't have computers. No CRM he didn't have to run, to run the CRM. I mean, I still had a, we still had that old compact presario in our frick in our freaking house back then that was mm-hmm. bought like in 19 i don't know 1990 or something so you know obviously this was like 2000 2001 in costa rica so it was you know that sort of thing where it was just uh it was just very com- uncommon to have computers in a lot of workplaces so how did we end up i guess what the audience wants to know is like how did i go from there how did we go from there living in Costa Rica and you were still going to school and I was doing that. I was going to university and going to school. And how did we end up in the Philippines opening up a web agency? And that's an interesting, that's an interesting topic right there. And just to get into it a little bit, I was uh, studying in the university of Costa Rica. Uh, At that time, I stopped doing the phone sales. I was all do. I was doing. I was a bookie taking. Uh, I'm still selling over the phone, basically, but selling bets, taking bets. Um, and at that time, I was going to the University of Costa Rica, and I was studying French. Okay, at the at the University of Costa Rica, and they had this program to be to uh, be a foreign exchange student, go to France for six months, live in somebody's. Uh, house with their family and their kids. And six months later, you would fly back. It's a really nice program. And they had this program available for a lot of the students that took up uh, languages. Mm-hmm. And you can go and become a foreign foreign exchange student. So I put in my application. This was uh, for third year. So third year. What year was this? 2000? Thir- uh, you know, this must have been I'm going to say 2000 and uh, 2007, 2008, 2007, between 2007, 2008, somewhere around that time. Um, I went ahead, put in the application. They got back to me and they said uh, after several weeks that it was, you know, they gave me a, some mail. And when I, when I got the mail, I opened it up and it said, you're, you're approved. Um, and anytime, basically, a, a, you know, anytime here are the dates, the appropriate dates that we're going to be um, sending you out. This, these are the requirements. You need a passport and yada, yada. I don't remember the exact what was on there, but it was a letter and it said, this was the, the time. This is what you got to do. And I, and I went back home and I remember talking to dad about this. And I said, well, I haven't a chance to become a foreign exchange student. And he said, well, do you want to go ahead and do that? Go to France and do that? Or you can go to the Philippines and learn the business over there. And again, this goes off to another side story. Uh, we have a dad uh, that was uh, uh, ex-US Navy uh, ended up owning uh, a lot of commercial property in the Philippines that uh, were later on uh, that he that were made into basically bars, right? Whole bunch of bars. So he said, "You can go to the Philippines and 
learn the business. And at that time, he had an acquaintance that uh, that was running a web development agency, a friend. And, uh, you know, I said, you know what? Uh, it was a hard decision for me. I didn't know what to do. I said, hey, should I go to France, which is a great opportunity, or should I go to the Philippines? And I ended up deciding to go to the Philippines because, number one, I was half Filipino and I, I didn't know more than half of the family, right, the Philippine side. And I said, that would be cool to go down to the Philippines, meet extended family, and at the same time, uh, learn how to kind of be in a business, right? It was, uh, it, it was of course, a friend of dad's. So um, I ended up doing that. I got on a plane uh, from Costa Rica to the Philippines, and I was on a three-month trip to the Philippines. Okay. So that was a long trip, but on the third month, I was supposed to fly back to Costa Rica. And if you remember, Brian, we're going to, the family was moving from Costa Rica. We were there for 12 years. Yep. The family was moving from Costa Rica to Arkansas. And, uh, I was in the Philippines at that time and I was learning the web development and marketing business. I mean, I was there. Um, I got in, they had a couple designers, they had few programmers. It was very small, about a five-person company. I think there was maybe two two designers. Yeah. Uh, Glenn and Ray, two designers. There was one programmer. Uh, there was the owner and there was one caller and that was it. One caller in a room. So another very, very small operation. And I was, I had skills, right? I had skills uh, from the marketing telemarketing background I had previously. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I use those skills to make money. I witnessed the whole process, man. And, and, you know, for me growing up, I was just finishing, you know, my high school in, in Costa Rica. And, um, you know, previous to that, we had lived in the States for about, you know, what was it? 10, 12 years, something like that. And we moved down to Costa Rica and started, you know, like a whole new life there. So while this is happening, while Patrick is, you know, doing his first job, I'm witnessing this, right? I'm still in school. I'm like, oh, man, Pat is killing it. Pat's got his new car. He is, you know, at the time, I'm like, man, he's he's loaded. And, you know, he just graduates from high school, right? And he's got that opportunity. Okay, where am I going to go? Am I going to go to France? Am I going to go to the Philippines? So Pat ends up going to the Philippines. I'm I'm basically not far behind. There's a two-year age difference between us. And long story short, you know, for me, uh, it was a decision is like, okay, well, I've just graduated high school, I've just been accepted to the University of Costa Rica, they accepted me for uh, law, you know, I guess I could have been a good lawyer. But what was interesting about it is, you know, on my side of things, I'm, I'm looking at what's happening here. And really, I didn't want law, I really wanted to be uh, a businessman and do something with with tech. So I was trying to get into the, uh, do you remember the university in Cartago, Pat? The tech university? Yeah, 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 the tech university. I had actually uh, a small computer class that I took on vacation while we had time off from the main university. I, I was there in Cartago and mm-hmm. I took that class. So I remember very well. Man, it was a, a beautiful university and, and probably the most prestigious in, in Central America. And for you guys that really don't know much about Costa Rica, I mean, their educational system is 
it's amazing. I mean, the the stuff that you learn there. But this was a very prestigious it's, university. Yeah, world, world class. I mean, I would say it's absolutely world class. The, the stuff that they were doing at the university in Cartago that you were saying, I mean, that was they were doing robotic robotics, building robots and stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of like Cuba, right? Look at Cuba and what they do for medicine, right? So I'm not yeah, thinking exactly. Rica is the Cuba medicine, but, you know, it's very well-educated people, very high levels of education because it's all government subsidized, right? They don't have a military. But I digress. So um, that's what I wanted. I wanted to go to, to the tech university because I had visited previously and they had a course. And check this out. It was a new course. It was going to be half business administration and then like half IT and systems. So I was like, okay, cool. That's right up my alley. I know I want to do something with, with tech and computers. Um, and I took their admission test and, you know, I remember, damn, I didn't know half the stuff on this test and I freaking bombed on the math portion, you know, and I was so embarrassed. I was like, you know, holy crap, this is the one I really wanted. I didn't get in. So I was all down at that point. I was like, you know, I'm not sure I want to stay in Costa Rica. So my options were open because, you know, you had left a year previous, uh, you, you left to the Philippines and things, you know, were going really, really well. And, um, while you were in the Philippines, uh, that's when we made the move from Costa Rica to the U S to, you know, to Arkansas, uh, mountain home. And that was a three month road trip with dad. And we went everywhere, Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, and we settled on, on mountain home. I mean, you know, it's just got that charm about it. But as soon as I was done there, it was like, okay, decision time. And I saw what you were doing and, you know, I got on a plane. This would have been, this would have been what, 2010, 2009, end of 2009. And, uh, got to the Philippines, man. And that, that was a whole different world. It's like, it's, it's like a whole new phase in your life, you know, landing in Manila for the first time, seeing the, you know, the traffic and the buildings and just the huge swarms of people. And uh, it was a completely new adventure. And so, you know, that's kind of how we got. Yeah, new adventure and really new culture and everything. We, you know, even though we're part Filipino, we never really knew what it was like to be in the Philippines. And that in itself is uh, sometimes a little daunting, you know what I mean? It's like, it can get difficult. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, and, and a lot of people don't adapt very well, but I think one of the reasons why we adapt well is because we're, you know, very multicultural, I would say, you know, growing up in, and, you know, in the U S and then in Costa Rica. And so once you've grown up in, you know, developing countries, as they say, um, you know, you, you tend to be street smart and whatnot. So, it was for me. It was fun, man. Uh, getting into the Philippines and learning. And here's the thing: this web design company that we were working for. I mean, that was the best education I could have ever asked for. Now you were there. I think when you got there, you and sorry to interrupt. I think you got there when we were already um, a little bit bigger. A dozen people when I got there. Maybe maybe fifteen people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you came in the, the, uh, kind of the early stages. So, I mean, that we ended up growing that company from five, they had five people. And by the time we made the decision to start our own, um, 
when we right left, they had about 150. They, yeah, they had about 150 people there. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and this was in the middle of a recession, guys. So I, I flew to the Philippines when I was in 2000. In I, I have to look at my passport, but I think it was 2008. 2008, yeah. That's when 2008. We, uh, worked uh, worked at a web agency, marketing agency for about two years. Uh, worked on a straight commission. I got myself on a straight commission deal again. A lot of people would be like, what the heck are you doing? But I did it again because I had a lot of success with it uh, back in Costa Rica. And I made a lot of money. And I, I actually convinced Brian to come over. And he did. And we made a lot of money together before we decided to uh, start our own. Yeah. You know, our own company so it's the, it, it was it was crazy right i mean you learn so much stuff and i'm i'm very very thankful for that type of experience that i had that type of environment i was uh i was uh able to grow and experience in because it was it was amazing we had designers programmers uh, yeah. you know we had salespeople, and you're in there and you're trying to outdo the other salesperson and you have that type of environment and you're just killing it and it was it was unbelievable, it, unbelievable experience. Foundational, really, because, you know, if you think about it, I mean, you got there when you're what, 19, 20 years old, same as me. And, you know, you grow up in that environment. And let's be honest, it was a position of privilege, you know, privilege to be able to grow up in a company. And I think very few people get to really experience that when you work, especially, oh, yeah. you know, in a job right? This is like my first real world job. You grow up in it and you just absorb everything like a sponge, right? So I remember walking in and yeah, you're excited different. and everything too. You're more excited. Oh yeah. Cause you're learning, you know, and I would spend time with the, with the graphic artist, Glenn, and he'd be knocking out these amazing designs. I'd be mind blown. And then I'd, you know, go over the programmer section, you know, and, and these guys would just be huddled on their computers typing away. Um, and then we had, you know, the marketing team over there and then there was a sales team right and you know you grow up uh in in that environment right it's your equivalent to um it's 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 what am i looking for here i mean it's really it is a position of privilege because you can really observe from a different angle almost from the angle of the business owner of what are the different things within the machine that make the machine work yeah and uh and, and we had the opportunity to work directly with the business owner. And there was a lot of things that we were doing also on the side. I remember uh, I was doing a lot of hiring. We got uh, into the call mm -hmm. interviews. We got into the call center business. So it was web, web digital, uh, no marketing and call center. Um, so the, the business evolved. And as it evolved, uh, we got to experience and work hard to create in those environments, if it makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, we were basically company executives running the company because, you know, the owners wouldn't be there. Uh, you know, they'd be at their house, they'd be checking in with us and, and other heads of department, right? I was in sales and you were in sales also. I remember you were just killing it. I was in sales. This was before I actually started um, getting more on the tech side. People that know me today are like, oh, pass the tech guy. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I love software. I love technology. Um, so I, I, but it was a love that I developed later on in life. I was there to make money and I was selling, selling hardcore. Yeah. 
Yeah. And man, that's that's amazing that you have both those skill sets to be able to, you know, be really great at, you know, closing deals, getting customers and also be, you know, very highly conscientious on the technical side. You really know what you're doing. But yeah, at the beginning, I mean, we were basically in charge of getting customers, you know, uh, working with other heads of division, making sure the company's running properly. And, and I did that for about two years. Patrick, you were there for what, three or four years, a little bit longer. Uh, maybe th- I think three, you came a year after me. So about three years, about, uh, about three years. Yeah. Before, I, before we had the, the, the guts and courage to, to say, okay, I think we could do this. I mean, I think we can make something yeah, I mean, better. We can give clients a better experience. I mean, that's what it was. That's what ca- it kind of boiled down to. Um, although the company was doing really well, um, you know, there were some internal issues and things like that. And I was like, okay, I think we, we can do this better. And I think a lot of businesses right. become businesses because they say, well, you know what? We can serve our customers better and we know it and let's do it. And, I, and that's exactly what we did. Yeah. And, you know, and it's weird, right? Before you decide to leave a company or shoot even a relationship, right? You've, you've made your mind up before, but you have to have a way to, to get out of it. And, you know, I was watching, look, I watched you build that company from the ground up. And then when I got there, you know, we, we did it together. It wasn't just us. Okay. I'm not saying it was just us, but when we, when you take it from like 15 people to like 150 people in the span of two years, three years, that's, you know, that's impressive. And we were the driving force as the, as the business consultants, as the sales guys, the closers in charge of bringing in the customers, because you don't have a company if you don't have sales, if you can't, you know, get customers. And what really drove me to get with Pat and say, hey, Pat, you know what? I don't think your future is going to be as good here as if, as if you, you know, versus you taking control, because really I felt like they were taking advantage of you. And, um, I felt that, you know, you deserved more and I'm not going to get into the details of that, but you know, that's, that's what I observed. And so we were already thinking about, you know, could we actually do this ourselves? And then it just became a no brainer. It's like, well, shit, we're already doing it. Why don't we just do it for ourselves? And it's very hard I, I, to, to, to yeah. make those kinds of decisions. Um, you know, for me personally, what got me super motivated, and I'm just going to tell my story here, is, you know, as a young guy in the Philippines, and there's a lot of beautiful women here. And, you know, I, I had a couple of girlfriends, and then I found myself a uh, very special one, right? And I was just a young, dumb kid, you know, early 20s. And you know what happens when you get a little too excited. So um, in short, you know, like the news, Pat, do you remember when I told you? What was your reaction? (laughs) I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. You couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, oh, shit. Brian got his girlfriend pregnant. He fucked up. It's game over. I, I was worried. I was worried. I was like, well, now you got to, now you got to worry about, you know, basically two other people. Like, oh you, yeah, you have. To. Oh yeah. It, dude, I was scared out of my mind. And here's the thing. Uh, even though we had accomplishments building that web design company and growing it, you know, 
I, for me personally, I was ready for a new adventure. I was ready to move on. And, uh, I had a, um, I remember I was on the phone with an air force recruiter. I wanted to join the air force, give that a shot, right. For a couple of, you know, for, for a four year period or whatever. And so I was looking forward to that. In fact, I already had the plane ticket. I was talking to the recruiter and, you know, uh, just for the hell of it, I'm like, huh, this, this girl's belly's getting a little big. Let's go get this checked out. And I remember the doctor saying, oh, pot, uh, congratulations, dude. And I was just, I could not react. So you can imagine how I was at that moment. And really the reason I bring this up, guys, is because I talked to so many people in, in this space, in the agency space, and it's like, man, they got their back behind the wall. And in that moment, I really had my back behind the wall because there was no way I was going to join the Air Force and, you know, leave this young woman with, you know, with my child and not take care of them. But at the same time, I'm working in this company. I'm not satisfied. You know, we're not getting compensated properly and we're building the whole damn thing. And there's a lot of stress. So for me, that was the real push. I remember going to Pat and... um at that point, you lived in, and I think in Kitma and in, in Baguio, and uh, you know, telling you about this is like, man, sh shoot, we should just start our own thing. And I had like a logo design, and I paid one of the other designers to make me a homepage, and and that was the first inception of us, you know, going off on our own. And that is where really the story begins, you know, because. Uh, when we tried to, when we launched, we did it smart though. I think we did it smart though. I ended up doing it six months before you. Mm -hmm. I remember, um, I, I left and I was basically cold calling out of my one bedroom apartment, um, with who now is my wife, but we were over there living together. And so it was, it, we were doing it for six months and I, I had, um, a few deals closed. I wasn't doing much. I was, I was doing like maybe $3,000 a month. Um, that was about it. And I remember like calling you and saying, Brian, I need your help, brother. Where are you at? You got to quit and come yeah. join. But I have to say, I have to say, um, it, you know, I know we, you know, we helped, we helped a lot, but I also know that those in those times looking back, we were also very, very naive. And I think that's what mm -hmm. you get with experience. I mean, you, you learn these things where you're like, you're thinking about like, you know what, five years ago when I made that call, that was really messed up. Like, you know, why didn't you, I even think that way? Like, I can't believe it. And I, I know that was reckless. <laughs> yeah, it was reckless. That was exactly. And it was like, we, who does that? Who says, oh shit, you know, I can't stand my job. I'm going to go start my own company. <laughs> you know, only a madman and it, yeah, a madman or a young kid. And that's, yeah. you know, we were, you know, we were probably kind of both. But here's the and, thing. What would you have preferred? Would you have preferred jumping in and seeing if you can sink or swim or, doing what everybody else in the world does, which is my biggest fear. And my biggest fear was working for somebody else my entire life, having a nine to five. And then at the age of 65, when I'm an old fart, I can go retire and enjoy whatever years I have left, or I can make it work now and jump in. And so I was, dude, I was ready. E even if it was reckless, it was the only thing I knew professionally was, was getting on the phone, talking to customers, 
getting them on board. That's the only thing I knew. It was my only skill set. I had no choice. You had, well, I see it a little bit different. I was a little bit hesitant um, in the beginning to start. And uh, it was a, con- I remember this conversation. I was working the shift um, this one night and I went outside, picked the phone and uh, I ended up calling dad and mom. And, uh, you know, we do, we do have very, very supportive parents. I ended up calling them, uh, letting them know how I felt. And, you know, uh, it was dad. Dad said, do it. Go off on your own. He said, go off on your own. You're going to do much better. You're going to do great. And you're going to do great things. So do it. Don't worry about it. Um, you're going to do great. That's it. That's all he said. And, uh, you know, after that, I was like, you know what? I, you know, I'm, I'm going to trust him because when has he failed us? And uh, we're, we're very blessed in that sense that we have, we have very supportive parents. And I, that's what did it. And I, and I don't regret um, going through that, that experience. But there, if I could turn back the clock, I definitely would have done things along the way differently, of course, but, um, you know, almost like fine tuned, you know, tweaking them, but I'm happy with the, the outcome. And, uh, I, I think we're in very blessed to have this opportunity right now. Uh, we have a growing audience years later. Um, and uh, lots of clients, a system, uh, a process, and the experience. I think the experience, that's, that's the one thing that is, uh, is so invaluable. It's priceless, the experience that you gain over the years. And obviously, the, you know, how they say the more, the more mistakes you, you make, the smarter you get if you don't make those mistakes, you know, multiple times, obviously. And yeah, I think we've made our fair share of mistakes in the business, but uh, we've learned from them and we've excelled. And now we look at people and we talk to people that have similar problems and we're like, hey, no, no, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. Right. Don't go the other we're, direction. We're, you know? we're missing a whole chunk, yeah. right? We're missing a whole chunk. So let's tell them a little bit about how we started our first agency and our first real taste of success with it, with our, with our brand CAD. And... Um, you know that because here's the thing there's a whole there's a whole uh intermediary story right so how did we get to murphy consulting right so it wasn't our first company our first company was custom a uh design cad and what we did is we were just selling websites to local businesses and you know cheap for cheap and um we didn't start out uh, doing cheap. I mean, we actually started out selling sites for like a couple thousand. Actually, no, there were, there were a couple thousand bucks. I mean, I remember the average site that we were, we were selling was about 2,500 and this was back in 20, I'm going to say 2012, uh, $2,500 in 2012, 2013. So that's, that's really good money. This is only a few years after the recession. Um, but those were the times where you could take a, a list of, you know, of, of 30,000 emails and blast it up, blast it out and be covered in leads for the next six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was different times. It was much easier to market, man. If I could have gone back, you know, five years ago, uh, oh man, we'd be worth a lot more today. So, but yeah, we started out, we started out, um, selling these, these websites. Right. And the thing about that is it's the consistency and the predictability of, of sales, right? So you might have a week where you do great. You might have a day where you do great, 
but your other day, no, not so much, right? Because uh, the the price points, you know, and it, you know, cl- being able to close customers consistently was an issue. So what we decided to do, in short, is we changed our model. And at the time, there was a big company. I'm not sure if you guys remember, but it was a company called like Web.com. And Web.com was one, I think one of the biggest companies, maybe they still are. And they were selling these template websites for like a hundred bucks a month. All right. And, uh, and no, they were, they were way less than that. They were like uh, $30 a month somewhere, <laughs> but initially there were 30 ones that were yeah. like a hundred. Actually, there was, ac- there was ones that were paying like 150, 200. You're right. You're right. Yeah. The ones with like SEO or whatever. And I'm going to say SEO in quotes. Yeah. Yep. Right. And, and these guys had a huge share of the market. They had a huge portion of the market. And their model was, was right. They, they were charging just a monthly um, subscription. And so what we did is we experimented and we came out with a program called Hybrid Solutions. And, you know, it was supposed to be the best of both worlds. You get a custom site, you know, for the same price as a template. And this is, this is super naive, right? Competing on price points, which was stupid. But at the end of the day, we were building, you know, these beautiful custom sites for for customers and uh, and launching them and charging them a monthly fee of a hundred bucks a month. It was like ninety nine ninety five. And, you know, at first, like everything, it's a little bit slow to get those initial sales. But I mean, we ramped up quickly within like a, a year and a half. We had sold like 300 of these things and we had that monthly recurring revenue coming in. And I think that was really our first taste of, you know, success because it's like, oh, wow. All right. Now we've got some stability. Whereas before, you know, literally in the beginning days of starting an agency, and I know a lot of people are, are at this stage, it's sink or swim, right? It's you got to make money this week because you got bills to pay next week or you got bills to pay on Friday. And I think everybody goes through that phase. Like when we started, Pat, we had no money. Right. We were, I had, I, I, yeah, I had, um, well, I had some money. It wasn't a lot of money. It was like $7,000. And I remember, uh, when I left, because again, I was young guy and uh, what do young people do? We spend our money. So I kept, you know, I bought the best clothes and the best shoes. And that's what I did with my money, um, that I earned in the early days, which was really dumb. Um, (laughs) and then I, had $7,000 left, opened up the business with that. I think you had nothing because, I, you know, you were kind of just- I came in with skills, Pat. I came in with clothing you skills. Came in with skills. In fact, I remember you were like, how do I pay this $800 bill at the hospital for my for my wife? Oh and my I was God, like, yeah. oh if you remember that day. So, and, uh, but we made it. We didn't have any money. So people that tell you, you need to have money to start a business, you really don't. I mean, obviously you need some money. Um, it will help to have some money, but you don't need a lot of money. You don't need $50,000. You don't need $20,000. Uh, I did it on about $7,000, which I, and that, that was spread out over time. That was backup money. That was like, I'm getting started. I don't know what the hell to do. I got to eat. I got to pay my rent. I got to do my stuff. So I, the clock is ticking and we made it. We were always profitable from the very beginning, uh, in terms of, you know, at that stage in time, it was even if you were making, you know, three, four thousand dollars a month living in the Philippines really helped. It really allowed us yeah. to, to live and start small and be able to 
grow. And when we started our agency, we started out of our house. We we rented out a house uh, in Baguio. It was a it was a three. Well, not when we started, but about a year later, uh, I had Brian. Brian was living on the on the second floor. I was living on the first on the no, I was living on the second floor. Brian was on the third floor. And then we had our operation on the first floor. Very Chinese style. (laughs) Very Chinese style, but it was like the only thing we could afford, right? We were paying like a thousand dollars a month for the house. And um, then I had people that were coming to my house late at night to work because our our nighttime in the Philippines is your day daytime in the US. And we had you know, we had Chad and we had Dylan that was selling. Yeah, Ryan was us. project management. We had a couple of developers. Yeah. A couple, like two or three developers. And they weren't even full time. They were contractual uh, people that we knew around town. And it was a lean startup. It was a very, very lean startup. And we quickly realized, going back to what you said earlier, Brian, because I think that's a very important topic. The issues. The issues with our cash flow, that was the thing. I mean, I, it was it was pretty bad because we were like, it was maybe four or five of us at the time and we were bringing in like $6,000 a month. <laughs> so we were like barely paying people here in the Philippines, let alone ourselves. And it was, it was rough. And then the next month it was like $8,000. And the next month it was like, you know, $7,000. And the next it, month it wouldn't like grow. $9,000. Yeah, right. it was it was hard and and it wouldn't grow. And we already had people. But again, in the Philippines, you can make magic happen. Um, but it, it, it was terribly hard. And then we said, you know what? We need to have we need to be able to guarantee our money every month. Every business has has expenses. Every business has to get paid. And that's why we came up with the hybrid solutions. And people say, don't come up with products just out of out of money. But look, that's it, it worked out well for us. It was our first. It's not even the money. It's the uh, the business model, right? The recurring business model. And this is where this is the difference between agencies. It was the money. But because of that, we discovered that reoccurring right. subscription. You got to have reoccurring. You got to have reoccurring. Right. And that's and that and that's where we made it happen, man, because we exploded quickly. You know, we went from just the two of us to like, what was it, like 30 people? in a span of, of a year, once we released that subscription. And um, I mean, things happened quick. We, we, we got a new office in town, our first legit office. Um, we had an entire floor of people and we were hiring like crazy, just, you know, putting on yeah. more and more employees. Registered, registered our local Philippine, local Philippine business. We had our US business registered, obviously, to be able to operate. But we went legit in the Philippines, um, uh, you know, took care of all the taxes and stuff, right? Because it's hard to do that when you're just starting. So a lot of people hire contractual. Uh, It got serious really quick. We were hiring full-time people. Uh, We had to do it the right way. Uh, We had uh, enough money to do it because we had all the subscriptions. And we did. And we, we, we grew really, really fast. And I think at our peak, Brian, we were doing somewhere down the lines of about 50 sites 60. a month 60 60 yeah. about 60 sites a month which is insane that's like two sites a day it was so busy and that was amazing that period of time and i and i talk about that as a past because it was a past and it's been recreated now in the future but it was a past and 
it was one of those mistakes that you make that you learn from. But that's another, that is another topic that we're going to talk about in future, in a future podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, just to kind of uh, close out, you know, the, the story of our first agency, I mean, that was our first real success. And, you know, and we grew it for many years. And around 2015, um, something new happened. And in 2015, we started getting requests from some of the agency owners that we had known in the industry, right? They wanted to connect with us and see if we could help them get their projects done. And what's really interesting about that is at first we had, what, just a few clients, Pat, you know, remember Tom and Mark that we worked mm-hmm. with initially. Right. And we became really, really good at building superstar teams and getting teams to produce the work. I mean, if you can imagine we're doing 60 sites a month, these are custom WordPress sites. They're all done by a graphic designer, right? And Mm -hmm. the the production force that we have is, you know, it was sizable, you know, at the time, I think it was like 40, 50 people. The produced that was 40, 50 people. Yeah. But when we started, we started gradually. And I think we went up to our big first big spike was uh, 18. So we went from like six to 18. And then from 18, we went all the way up to like 40. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then basically, as we started growing that production, one of the things that we realized is, you know, at the beginning when I was, you know, just on my computer, cold calling, you know, right. No, no company, no office, no assets, no money. It was very, very hard to be able to not only just get a client, but then produce the work. And it's easy to find yourself in a trap right? Where maybe at the beginning, you don't have clients and you spend all your time getting clients. But then later on, what happens is somebody's got to manage those projects and handle those clients. So over time, it's like, okay, now you spend 100% of your time in sales, then it's 80% of your time, then it's 50% of your time. And then now you find yourself at the other side of things and only 20% of your time is acquired is spent on acquiring new clients. And the other 80% on managing the other aspects of the business. And so Mm -hmm. we came up with an idea of what would happen if we used our competitive edge or competitive advantage, right? Very talented workforce in the Philippines. And we enabled that for other agencies just like us in, in the United States, right? And we started doing that type of work and we opened up a new brand, right? Which eventually became a new company. Murphy Consulting. And that is really from 2015 up until now, uh, 2020, we've been focused exclusively on Murphy Consulting, um, building relationships with other agency owners, right? And because we know more than probably more than anybody else, what those pain points are. So right now we're working with over 700 agency owners, brands, solo entrepreneurs, um, on our system and we are handling their fulfillment and it's been a great relationship for us because, uh, and it's been a great relationship with them as well, because it's a win-win situation. And so that's where, you know, we came from and that's where we are today, right? Just to kind of close it out. Um, it's been a long journey. I mean, Pat, looking back at it, I could not have done it without you. And, you know, it, it, it's very rare 
to to be in business for 10 years and have a partner and do it successfully and come from really nothing you know two people out of their own you know apartments working trying to build something and today you know we've got our company in the US we've got a company in the Philippines two physical offices we employ over 60 people more if you count you know our contractors and it's really grown into a big operation and we're just i feel like it's in its infancy still so the story is still continuing from here but yeah guys i just wanted to you know get this to be the first you know episode of the agency empires podcast and a lot of you guys are listening um you know if you feel the same way if you're just starting your agency or maybe if you've been you're running your agency for a couple of years and you feel like you're in that trap of, you know, what can I do to free up more of my time or what can I do to get more clients? That's typically what it comes down to. Then you guys are going to get a lot of value because there's so much we could talk about, Pat. We could be on here for hours, you know, not now yeah. that we've done it. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to this, Pat, before we close it out? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I want you guys to, if you like this content, go ahead and uh, like and subscribe. Uh, a lot of this content is going to be posted on our Agency Empires Facebook group. At least all of our podcasts will be for 100% will be posted on that group. There's a lot of exciting information that we're, we're releasing for members in the upcoming weeks and upcoming days. So stay tuned. And for our next episode, we're going to be talking about the best ideas for branding your agency. So I wouldn't miss it. And we'll see you later. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.